This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Vladimir Putin signed a new doctrine that laid out the Russian Navy's strategic aims, which includes plans to become a, quote, great maritime power that extends over the world. The doctrine listed America and NATO as the main threats to Russia. In a speech during Navy Day celebrations, the Russian president said new hypersonic cruise missile systems would be delivered to the Navy in the coming months. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, ordered civilians to evacuate Donetsk amid fierce fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces. Russia already controls large parts of the eastern region. The more people leave Donetsk, said Mr Zelensky, quote, the fewer people the Russian army will have time to kill. Meanwhile, Russian shelling in Mykolaiv, a southern port city, killed one of Ukrainian's biggest grain exporters. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives, departed to Asia on Sunday with no mention of whether she would be travelling to Taiwan as initially suggested. Chinese officials earlier threatened, quote, strong and resolute measures should she stop on the island. If she does make a stop, Miss Pelosi would be the highest-ranking American official to visit Taiwan since 1997. At least 69 people have been killed in flooding and mudslides in Iran. Scores more are missing. More than 20 provinces have been impacted by the recent flooding, which has damaged tens of thousands of homes. Local media report that several airports and roads have been closed and thousands of people have been evacuated from the worst-hit areas. Factory activity in China contracted unexpectedly in July as COVID-19 outbreaks hindered manufacturing output. The official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index fell to 49, down from 50.2 in June, and below analysts' forecasts of 50.3. A reading below 50 indicates contraction. Flare-ups of COVID in manufacturing hubs, such as Shenzhen, and weak global demand dragged down the index. The McKinney Fire in Northern California exploded in size to roughly 51,000 acres, 20,639 hectares, making it the state's biggest blaze so far this year. As of Sunday afternoon, the conflagration was burning entirely out of control just south of the border with Oregon. The House of Representatives passed a bill on Friday that aims to help the American West cope with seemingly perennial drought and wildfire. Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state of emergency in New York in response to the outbreak of monkeypox in her state. Monkeypox, which is similar to smallpox, though less likely to kill, is spreading across the world, including America and Europe. The World Health Organization recently declared the outbreak a public health emergency of international concern. Brazil and Spain reported the first fatalities from the virus outside Africa. And fact of the day, 10%, the proportion of the Russian population that has experienced torture by law enforcement agencies. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead.
a nuclear free-for-all looms. The fabric of nuclear arms control, woven after the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, has long been fraying. The war in Ukraine may rip it entirely as Russia threatens to use nukes. A chance to patch it up comes on Monday with the opening in New York of a month-long conference of 191 signatories of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. The agenda is forbidding. Iran is on the nuclear threshold. North Korea has crossed it. Britain is enlarging its arsenal, and China is building up fast. The global stockpile of 12,700 warheads is thus set to grow. Splits between big powers and between nuclear haves and have-nots may prevent agreement. Many have signed an alternative treaty to ban nukes altogether. The good news, America and Russia still swap information about long-range weapons under New START. The bad, the treaty expires in 2026. Follow-on talks stopped after the invasion of Ukraine. There is no sign of them resuming soon, if ever. Less gas requires more solidarity. It is rare for industrial assets to be expropriated in Europe these days. But because it has done nothing to fill it up, Gazprom, the Russian energy giant, will on Monday lose its part of the Haidach natural gas storage facility in Austria, one of the largest in Central Europe. Another operator will take over the space. Yet the change in ownership will not do much to solve the continent's gas squeeze. It may run out of gas next spring. If Gazprom keeps supply through Nord Stream 1, the biggest pipeline providing Russian gas at just 20% of its capacity, it is unlikely that storage facilities across the European Union, currently 67% full, will reach the EU's goal of 80%. If the firm reduces the flow even further or the winter is unusually cold, or both, facilities in some countries, particularly Germany, could run empty by March or so. Then the big question will be whether EU member states will show solidarity and share whatever gas they have left. Britain takes aim at dirty money. Any government serious about tackling money laundering needs to crack open anonymous shell companies. These can shield those using dirty dosh to buy assets, often swanky pads in places like London and Paris. On Monday, Britain will take a step in the right direction. A register of the, quote, beneficial or real owners of overseas companies that hold British property will come into force. The idea is to force more transparency on those hiding behind brass plate firms in tax havens such as the British Virgin Islands. The move comes six years after Britain introduced a public register of owners of domestic companies. This was seen at the time as a global landmark in the fight against financial crime, but the lessons from it are sobering. Policing has been weak, with few prosecutions for submitting false data. The omens this time are not good either. Despite feisty political rhetoric, British law enforcement lacks the funding needed to get a grip on the money rinsers. Publishers' Antitrust Battle The proposed $2.1 billion merger of Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster may reduce the North American book industry's Big Five to just four. But first, it has to get past the American Department of Justice's Antitrust Division, which will argue in a trial beginning on Monday that the two publishers should be kept separate. 
America's antitrust enforcers normally keep firms apart over concerns that their market power would reduce supply and raise prices for consumers. But rather than base its case on arguments about fewer and more expensive books, the department will argue that the combined company would have too much power over authors' pay, leading to less fierce bidding wars for writers' works. The DOJ's tactic is rare but not unprecedented. If it is successful, more cases focused on big firms' power over wages could be on the way. Wearable stickers to peer inside the body. Ultrasound captures images from inside the body in real time with high-frequency sound waves. Useful as it is, clunky equipment and clammy gel make it a cumbersome affair. It also requires the steady hand of a highly skilled sonographer. But now, as published in Science, researchers have invented a bioadhesive sticker that attaches to the skin. The size of a postage stamp, the sticker can take images of organs, tumors, or embryos continuously for 48 hours. In tests, the stickers provided high-resolution live images of volunteers' insides. That could mean sonographers may no longer need to be present throughout surgeries monitoring blood flow. But the real breakthrough would come if the stickers could be made wireless. People could buy them at the pharmacy and slap them on like plasters. Patient smartphones could do the rest, analyzing the data and alerting them or their doctor. As easy to use as nicotine patches, only better for your health. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which actor supplied the voice of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Calamity Jane, who died on this day in 1903. I figure if a girl wants to be a legend, she should go ahead and be one. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.